0: Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook brought to you by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Joe Ducaro. In this podcast, I pick the brains of industry experts, innovators and sales leaders to draw up a series of playbooks full of actionable tips and tricks for you to take away and run with. Now my guest for the How to Fix a Broken Sales Culture Playbook is fractional CRO and VP of Sales at Top Tier Sales Advisors, Eric Bayliss. There's loads to take away in this episode. So without further ado, here is the How to Fix a Broken Sales Culture Playbook with Eric Bayliss very quickly let's just start off defining our terms what's the definition of a sales culture and why is it important for a business's success
1: a sales culture is a way of life it's a way of life to to really run a sales team and run a company that everybody feels that they are part of something they are part of something they're engaged in something and being engaged in something is very important because you'll get the most out of somebody the more that somebody's engaged the better that they're going to be as an employee, the better they're going to be to the company, the better they're going to be to their customers. So it's just a a way of life to deal
0: with. What would some common problems of sales culture be then? Presumably lack of engagement. from Yeah, I think
1: it's lack of engagement. I think it's lack of respect. I think it's not having common goals. It's not having goals that are set forth and really just upfront, not being communicative. It's a process where you have to be communicative upfront so people know what the expectations of their position is, their expectations within the company, their expectations with their customers. And if you set the right foundation with expectations, people will engage.
0: How can a business assess and evaluate their current sales culture? How do they know that there's a problem to be solved?
1: So I think if people are not communicating on the team, they're not engaged and they're not working together in a collaborative manner, then, you know, Houston, we have a problem. You know, that expression, <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. And I think it's become more apparent today because you're going across generations. You're going across communication styles. You're going across demographics, very important to, really analyze it to see what kind of culture do you actually want? Do you want a collaborative culture? Do you want people to know that their opinions are are important, warranted? Do you want people to speak up and take a leadership role within the organization?
0: So how would you suggest that, that companies and businesses go about fostering the kind of culture that they want? And what really are the key aspects to creating a strong sales culture
1: i think it starts from the top it starts from the chief executive officer on down and the leadership team and the leadership team all has to be on the same page of what they want they have to be in lock sync together with what their expectations are of their employees having the right systems in place having the right technology in place having the right people in place and get to know their people, what their wants, their desires, their goals, both from a personal perspective and a professional perspective. If I was a new leader on a team, I get in on day one. The first thing I would ask is from my people is what do you expect of me? But here's what I expect of you. But what are your goals from a personal and a professional perspective that we can work on together? And the old expression, there's no I in team has really become new expression because there is no IN team anymore because you all have to work together. And if you truly have sales culture within your company that's driven by the chief executive officer, I think it comes down to there are two types of people in a company, those who sell and those who support those who sell. And I think if you have those types of people within the company, I think you're going to be successful. Those are more of a sales driven environment where, you know, growth is important but it's not the utmost importance it's one of the components that is going to be needed for success
0: what you've inadvertently done there Eric, is you've stumbled across a sort of catchphrase as i've recorded many podcasts the thing that keep, it keeps coming back time and time again so it must be true is that people buy from people yes. i think your initial thing is if it was day one, what I'd go and say to the team, what do you expect of me? What do I expect of you? That you know what?
1: You are exactly right, Joe. I think it's become an expression I'm going to call sales empathy, where you go in and you know what the customer needs and wants, and, you have, and you're empathetic towards their goals. Everybody has challenges today. Every business is going through challenges. As a salesperson, you really need to know those challenges. And you have to be in tune with those challenges. It's not just your product or service is the greatest and you're the greatest commercial. It's not that. You have to mm-hmm. be able to meet the customer's common goals and work with the customer on why your solution addresses their common goals. And you know what it comes down to like, when I instruct new teams and especially new salespeople and mentor new salespeople, there's an expression, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should listen twice as much as you speak. That's hard for anybody that is kind of a, a high introvert in enough sales. It's very hard. It's very hard for people to do that. If you do it, you'll actually pick up on more and be more empathetic to the cause of the customer. And it does come back in your teams when building your teams. If you foster that culture of going into meetings and not speaking as the leader. You don't have to speak all the time. Hear from your people, what their wants are, where their needs are, where they need the help. And that expression, I'm here to help. There's a, a show on TV that just got canceled and there was a medical director and he would always say, I'm here to help. My name is Max. I'm here to help. But I think if more people did that in sales, I think it's, they
0: would be more successful so there you go everybody listen to this start your cold calls with oh yeah i'm joe i'm here to help (laughs) it's not necessarily empathy isn't necessarily to someone who's not experienced in sales empathy is not necessarily the first sort of emotion or concept or idea that jumps to mind when it comes to sales is it so I, i imagine it can be quite surprising to find that actually fostering that exact idea or that notion is so forefront in today's sales game.
1: I think it's become more apparent today than ever because buyers are across generations. They're across demographics. It's the changing world. And especially we just came out of two and a half years of a pandemic where different ways to contact people. and People weren't accessible. They weren't picking up the phone. They weren't in tune with things. I think knowing more about your customer and people do buy from people. And yes, your product could be the greatest thing since sliced bread. But at the end of the day, if you cannot connect with your prospect or your customers, not going to happen.
0: Just to continue that, that, that train of thought then, how can businesses effectively train, develop their sales teams to embody that very culture?
1: So it starts with when they look at hiring people. Is hiring the right people that are going to fit in the right culture, and it's starting with asking questions of you hire for. I call it the two A's: attitude and aptitude. Is you can't teach attitude, you can't teach the right attitude. And aptitude: can they work within your culture? Are they? Do they have the right mindset to to adapt to what you need? And I think it's getting to know a person rather than drilling a person on their skills and their experience and all of the other things that turn into an interrogation during an interview. I think it should be a conversation. And can you see having lunch or having this person over your house for a barbecue on a Sunday That kind of thing thing at the end of the day is those are the types of people you want on the team because I think you can stretch them. You can stretch people outside their comfort zone if you're in the proverbial foxhole with them as a leader. You have Mm -hmm. to be in that foxhole with them today. You have to. And they want to feel that they'll invest their time, but you as a leader also have to invest in them and you have to be vested in their success.
0: Absolutely. It goes back again to the empathy side of things. Also happiness is happiness in the workplace. That's probably something that, again, you don't necessarily jump to when you're thinking about sales, but
1: No, I mean, you don't. Listen, I grew up in the 90s. I'm not afraid to say it in sales, where (laughs) we were we were all focused on one thing, getting ahead in our careers, making the most money. We were motivated by that nice toys and nice cars and all the other nice things, nice trips. And, but I think it's changed. I think you've seen a, a change in paradigm tonight to more people want to feel like they're part of something, they're growing something, they're having an impact. For me personally, when I go into work with new teams, it's how can I have the most impact on them? both from a professional perspective and a personal perspective at the end of the day is really creating that culture of people are going to feel wanted. They're going to feel needed. They're going to feel engaged every day. Engagement is tough. We live in a remote world. A lot of people are working remotely is so how, how do you get people engaged? I've, I've dealt with remote teams for years. And one of the things that I did was everybody got a phone call every day and it was just the How are you? And then just shut up not, don't say anything. It's yeah. I want to hear the kids spilt the milk at breakfast, the The dog went through the door. I want to hear that. I want to hear, okay. So now I know what I'm going to get out of him or her for the day. And okay. So we can joke around about it or we can work through it. I think it's working through those challenges together that you will get the most
0: out of people the authenticity of it you don't want them to say oh yeah no i've made 175 calls just from nine to ten o'clock no you're yeah. absolutely right you want to hear the kid drool over the walls and i've got to clean that up now <laughs>
1: listen people have become i would say more human about it more human about what goes on in people's lives and there there are things outside of their their work life and you want to hear about it you want to hear about it because you then have a better connection with people it's about mm-hmm. connecting with people and being able to help them, being helped them through good times and bad times. And my successful teams that I've um, helped run, we all knew each other. We were, I hate to use the expression of family. Families have good days and bad days. Even in my family, we have good days and bad days and work through them together. If somebody has a challenge, you pick them up. You pick them up, know how to motivate them in a positive manner and work through those challenges together.
0: Less Wolf of Wall Street, more Waltons. Really. Yeah, you
1: know what, but at the end of the day, you can work with somebody and commonly have goals in place to to get them there. One of the things on my teams, I was very fortunate to work with some great salespeople that I was able to mentor that went on to become sales leaders. And it's some of the things that I'm most proud of. It's not the my personal accomplishments, it's accomplishing through others. And when you become a leader, I tell everybody that it's You're taking a step back now. You're taking a step back and you're helping people get to another level in their career. It's not all about you. The I, me generation is over. I think if you realize that as a leader, you will get the most out of people. You will just get the most out of people and they will do things for you that they probably wouldn't have done. I think they get out of their comfort zone and they, I don't say it's work harder, but get to a point where they may stretch themselves to do things that they wouldn't have done.
0: I think... This next question I'm going to ask you is probably the one that intrigues me the most because I think we all understand sales is a competitive business. It's a competitive industry. But as you say, at the top of this, you said that there is no I in team. So what I really want to get a sense of from you, Eric, is how can you better manage that balance between competition and collaboration within your own sales team?
1: Yeah. So I think you want to foster collaboration on the team. You want to foster competitiveness because people in sales need to be competitive. You got to want to win. There's an old expression is, do you hate losing more than winning? And yes, if you hate losing, you'll learn from your mistakes on the team. If you learn from something and you'll be able to share that experience with others on the team so that doesn't happen again. That's where you want to be. I think you can be competitive without being cutthroat. You don't have to be, everybody doesn't have to be number one. Salespeople are typically type A people and getting all type A high performers on the same team is a challenge. And you work through those challenges, but the leader sets the tone, Joe. The leader sets the tone where if you don't set that tone early on, where everybody has an, everybody's entitled to their opinion in a respectful manner, you can agree to disagree. And you know it's okay, but at the end of the day, everybody has to have respect for everybody on the team, regardless if you're the youngest person on the team, the oldest on the team, the highest performer, the lowest performer. Everybody deserves their opinion on the team
0: absolutely it's It's gotta be quite tricky, just having that very thing of pitting people against each other in the, the league table or something but at the same time saying look you are at the same time you're on the same team but you are playing individually as well it's a fascinating concept to me i must say
1: i think where it comes down to if the leader sets the right tone and you're able to get the most out of people most salespeople people don't want to be on the bottom they don't like they you don't know, do you want to see your name on the bottom no so you'll be a little bit more competitive you don't have to be arrogant you don't have to be cutthroat i think it's those people that you know are the lower performers if you set the right culture may actually ask for help quicker mm. than just being low performers if they know that you're there to truly help them and you're vested in them and you're going to invest in their success they may be quicker to ask for help
0: is there i mean we, we hear a lot about hustle culture at the minute and basically i just wanted to pick your brains out. i just wanted to get your thoughts on because there are Clearly to me, there seems to be, there's some positives from it, but there seems to be quite a few negatives as well. Could you just speak to that?
1: Yeah, I think the positives are you're not just focused on winning and the almighty dollar, you're not focused on that. But then the negatives are, are people actually more competitive today? I don't know. I can't answer that because I'm not in people's heads. But I think it's less of a cutthroat culture. I grew up in some cutthroat cultures of companies. And you know what, we're in a different place in society today, but hustle culture, you know what, I think everybody has to hustle in everything that they do in life. Those people that are more successful and the entrepreneur, if you truly have an entrepreneurial spirit, you have the fire and the hustle. It's just in you to do that. but. Turning it off is one thing is some people now know how to turn it off. When I was growing up in sales, we couldn't turn it off. We just could not turn it off. It was something that was on 24 by seven. That's how you were trained because, you know, you like the success. You like the things that came with success and you just didn't want to not have that. You wanted to continually have that year after year. I think people's motivations are different today, Joe. I think that's just... We've gotten to a point, especially in the last five years, and especially the next generation coming in, I think their motivations are different, which is fine. And we all have to, as I said in the beginning, adapt. We have to adapt to that and be able to work with new generations, new folks of people to make them successful and invest in them
0: speaking as you were then about new generations coming up what advice would you give to companies who are just starting out to improve their sales culture or at the very least as you mentioned set the tone correctly for their sales culture
1: i think it's from the ceo or the leader the top leader on down is making sure that everybody knows what the goals are of the company And, you know, what kind of messaging you're going to want for your customers, your employees, how you want things run and really be honest and open within your teams. Just communicate. You have to communicate the good things and the bad things. You don't have to over communicate. You don't have to micromanage things. I don't think that's the case. But I think it's to show that you're invested in their success, regardless if that's training programs or Just hearing people out, a conversation. People wanna be heard, they want a voice.
0: Fantastic. Just one final question I'm gonna ask you. For all the folks listening to this today, what is your one top tip for fixing a broken sales culture or setting the correct tone for a sales culture? What's your top tip for that?
1: Top tip is to listen first. I gotta tell you, you listen first and then get the information before you react is okay, then everybody has to collaborate together to say, we have a problem. And if you have a problem, it's okay, what do we do to address that problem? And how do we fix it together? It's not a one person show. It's not, doesn't come down on one person. It's the whole team. It's the whole team in place. And you have to work with the team to correct things and make sure that they're correctable in the long run
0: eric bayliss thank you so much for joining me for the fixing a broken culture playbook
1: this was great i appreciate the opportunity to speak and this was a great topic and i appreciate being on your show today
0: well there you go that was eric bayliss on fixing a broken sales culture our key takeaways then focus on creating a sales culture where people feel wanted needed and above all engaged Collaboration and competition can be balanced by fostering a competitive environment while promoting collaboration and learning from each other's experiences. A common problem is a lack of engagement and communication. Assess your sales culture by looking for communication breakdowns and lack of collaboration among your sales team members. And Eric's favourite one, you have two ears and one mouth. Listen more than you speak thanks again to Eric for joining me for the fixing a broken sales culture playbook and thank you for listening remember to subscribe to the b2b sales playbook wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating where possible we'll be back next week with another b2b sales playbook